Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years ago, when I did a chapel service for three- and four-year-olds here at Timothy, I was using Psalm 121. So, I looked to the hills, from where does my help come from? Before I could finish, one of the three-year-olds hollered out, Grandma! (laughs) So I wasn't able to finish uh, the rest of the psalm. But reflecting on this three-year-old, I know with certainty that Grandma was her helper, and Grandma was taking good care of her. If we think about the story of Jacob, and looking back at Jacob's life, who would we say that Jacob is looking to for help? Jacob, in this story today, he's probably somewhere between 85 and 90 years old. He's going to meet his brother for the first time, trying to go back to his father's land to really take hold of that birthright that he had stolen from his brother Esau. And he's not certain exactly what he's going to find. Will he find Esau receiving him back in a good way? Or will he still be angry at him? He has something that he's trying to appease him with. He has camels and donkeys and sheep and cattle, but will that be enough? But then in all of a sudden into this story, there's this interruption. Jacob is all by himself, and he has this wrestling match. So listen to this story again as it begins. The same night, Jacob arose, and he took his two wives, his two female servants, and his 11 children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket. And Jacob's hip hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. No doubt if Jacob was alive today, he would be on every Friday night on that wrestling mania. Uh, He was a wrestler from the time he was in his mother's womb. Scripture says as Esau and Jacob were in the mother's womb, the children struggled. They fought. They struck one another within their mother. And then at the time of birth, you know, he grabbed his brother's heel. Now, we all know children. You know, what, what gets them into an argument? You touched me, right? You know, or like my sister and I in the car, we used to have a line. And if she went over the line, you're on my side. So here, if he's going to cause an argument with his brother, grabbing a hold of his heel, that's going to certainly uh, cause that commotion. And then he fought to win his father's favor, but it says that Isaac loved Esau. And then he fought with Laban. He wrestled with Laban to get his, his daughter for his wife. And then he even wrestled with Laban to secure a certain physical property. So Jacob was always fighting to control, to overcome things in his life so that he could take control. He was always trying in ways to make certain that his way was the way that things came out. And even in the vow that he speaks to God, listen to these words. If God will be with me and keep me this way that I go... And will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear, 
so that I can come again to my Father's house in peace, then, then and only then, will the Lord be my God. Jacob set himself up for this encounter with God, this wrestling match with God. He was guilty before God of serving himself first and foremost. His motives were always to try to have the advantage over others. And he was always trying with ways to see that the best way for his life to come out was for him to be on top, for him to be first, for him to take control of his life. Now we could go on and talk about Jacob for quite some time, but I think we need to really ask the question this morning, have you and I done the same? Is there a little bit of Jacob in all of us? Is there someone that you've wrestled with in the past where you thought that maybe if you could overcome something uh, that they were an obstacle, that somehow there'd be a certain way that your life would turn out, that things would be better for you? Or is there someone you're wrestling with today uh, to make certain that things come out the way that you want them to come out, making certain that life goes the way that you want? Or have you ever challenged God? If you do this for me, then I'll do this for you, or maybe I'll do this for someone else. The life of Jacob serves as a story for all of us. How we see perhaps perhaps our life in Jacob's life. But also as we encounter the abundance, the inexhaustible, the kindness and patience of God. Jacob, as I mentioned, was probably close to, probably 90 years old uh, when this story takes place. He's at the crossroad of the promised land, and yet he thinks the obstacle for him to get his birthright and to get all that he feels that is rightly his, it's the obstacle is his brother. But perhaps in reality, the obstacle is, is his relationship with God. And that's why this wrestling match is so important. I asked the sixth graders at Word of Life this past week on Thursday, give me one word that you would think of about wrestling with God. Fearful, doomed, destroyed. In our Bible study today, uh, someone said, no thanks. I thought that was a, a good response. But think about this response and think about this all-night wrestling match with God. Now, how can Jacob prevail? How is that even possible? Because at the end, we see that the Lord himself just, and it's really the, the Hebrew word here is that he lightly touches Jacob's hip. And his hip is shattered. The power of God who created the heavens and the earth, is in this wrestling match, and Jacob's able to go how many rounds with him all night long. But that's why this wrestling match is so important. Because there's no way that Jacob can win in this match against God. But God, again, you can see his, his patience and his kindness. And where this kindness and patience leads, Jacob in his life, it leads him to change. 
It leads him to repentance. It leads him to see this relationship with God, the importance of that relationship. And not only that, but how that then brings into the right relationship with other people. And even though he was aware, certainly, of his hip, and his hip being put out of joint and and struggling probably to walk for the first few feet, and knowing that physical sense of change, but really did he notice the spiritual change that had come into his life? These words from Scripture, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have wrestled with God and with men, And these are words that are used in the Old Testament to help us see that this is really the face of God and most likely the pre-incarnate Christ. That Jacob wrestled with the pre-incarnate Christ face to face and yet scripture says he prevailed. So thinking in your life, how has God been patient? How has God been kind to you? We may not always be aware how God is changing us, but all that happens in our lives that God, you know, brings into our lives or that we bring into our lives by ourselves really is for God's benefit, that God will make things work out for us in the way that he wants them to be. And that he changes our direction, he changes our lives, and he overwhelms us then with his kindness and with his patience. And St. Paul says in Corinthians, when we know the overwhelming patience and kindness of God, these are the words that he uses. Therefore we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary affliction is producing for us an eternal glory that is far beyond comparison far beyond what Jacob could imagine, that God would not only bring reconciliation with his brother, but bring reconciliation and peace with God, but to deliver him to the promised land. And so that Jacob in his life sees things in a different way. He doesn't call out to himself for a blessing to figure things out, but he calls out to the Lord. He says, I will not let go until you bless me. And in the Old Testament, a blessing would have been spoken orally. And here we don't get what that blessing was. But if you read on in the story, perhaps this is the blessing that God spoke to him. Esau ran to meet Jacob and embrace him and fell on his neck and kissed him and they wept. And so Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan, the promised land, and he camped before the city. God's blessing was far more than just his adversary Esau coming to peace or coming to grips with what what Jacob had done. Far beyond them just agreeing to disagree. It was forgiveness, reconciliation, breaking the cycle of anger, breaking the cycle of revenge, and taking Jacob away from this self-centeredness to seeing God pouring out blessings upon him. The forgiveness that God offers, the reconciliation that God offers, not only with himself but with each other, is the life that God brings to us today and the life that then delivers us into the promised land. 
There's no substitute for what God wants for us. He wants that forgiveness. The forgiveness that he offers to us and also the forgiveness then that we offer to each other. This past Wednesday at chapel, again, I asked the question, you know, where does your help come from? And a four-year-old said, Jesus. And then they all said, Jesus. Jesus is the one that brings that peace and that forgiveness that God offers to us. It's in his suffering and death that Christ himself delivers to us. Causing St. Paul to say these words, We have now been justified by his blood. How much more will we be saved from the wrath of God through him? Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And God delivers that to us. He reveals that to us in Christ Jesus so that we're not afraid to encounter. We're not afraid to encounter God because we know that God has delivered us, that he has saved us. In our sermon hymn, that second verse, here I raise my Ebenezer. This was a stone in the Old Testament that Samuel speaks about. It was a time where God saved Israel from their enemies, that he delivered them. And they had this stone, it was tangible, that they remembered that the Lord was the one that helped them. We have the tangible before us all the time. We have the baptismal font where the water is placed. And we see children that are brought into the family of God through the power of God's word. When we come to the altar, we smell the wine, we taste the bread, where God delivers Christ's body and blood to us, the tangible So that we know that we have been delivered. That God is the one who helps us and he brings peace to us in our lives. Reconciliation in our relationship with him and our relationship with each other. So thinking today, uh, Jacob's, his last words to God. You know, don't let me leave without a blessing. So I'd like you to hear this blessing. It's from John's first epistle. And just again, think about this blessing that God brings to you every day in Christ Jesus. Behold what manner of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the whole world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.